Section 14 of Edward the Black Prince by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 12. The Black Prince in Aquitaine. When the Black Prince had been created Duke of Aquitaine, the barons and knights of that country were very anxious that he should come and live amongst them, and they often entreated the king that he would allow him to do so. The English Parliament also, seeing the large sums of money which were necessary to keep up the magnificent establishments of the king and his sons in England, represented to Edward that if the Black Prince were to set up his court in Aquitaine, this rich and fertile country would supply all his expenses. The Black Prince himself was nothing loath to go there and set to work to make the necessary preparations for his journey. His wife was to accompany him, as well as many English barons and knights, and he intended to establish his court in Aquitaine with all the magnificence of an independent prince. Aquitaine had been now for more than two hundred years in the hands of the English, and some of the English kings had given a good deal of attention to means for promoting the prosperity of the country. Edward I had begun a course of policy which, if it had been continued, might have done much to strengthen the ties which bound Aquitaine to England. He had founded many new towns, which he endowed with special privileges so as to induce inhabitants to flock to them. As these towns owned no intermediate lord, and owed all their privileges to the English crown, the inhabitants naturally regarded the English rule with favour. Edward I's towns were all built on a regular plan, and to this day are sometimes called English towns. When founded, they were called Bastide. They had two parallel streets at a short distance from one another connected by many short narrow lanes. In the middle of the town was the marketplace, in one corner of which stood the church. Here was the market hall, with a great weighing machine to weigh the merchandise. Here also was the well or fountain of the town. The houses round the marketplace, as was the custom in southern climates, were built in arcades, which protected the merchants from the hot rays of the sun, whilst conducting their business. In fifty years, fifty of these towns had been founded. Many of them were named after the English officers who superintended their foundation. Charters were given them, and as they were free towns and had no overlord, they were regarded with great jealousy by the other towns. Libourne was the most important and flourishing of these Bastides, and excited the jealousy of Bordeaux itself. Edward III renewed its charters and further allowed its inhabitants to have free trade with England, releasing them from all custom duties at Bordeaux. At the death of Edward I, the English ceased to found Bastides, but they carried on a policy likely to be equally successful in winning the affections of the people. They annexed to the crown a large number of towns, freeing them from their overlords and granting them charters. This freedom from overlords was what all the towns of the Middle Ages were struggling to get. As the towns had grown up on land belonging to some baron, they owed him, like other inferior vassals, certain dues and money payments. They had no corporate and independent existence until they could obtain a charter of liberties from their overlord. The struggle of towns to obtain charters was going on in all countries during the course of the Middle Ages. 
as a rule the monarchs favoured the towns hoping thereby to get their support and aid in their struggles against the nobles edward the third committed a mistake by departing from the policy of his predecessors and giving back many of the towns in aquitaine to the chief gascon lords who belonged to the english party he was anxious by this means to win the aid of the nobles in his wars against france but he forgot that if he wished to keep any permanent hold on the duchy of aquitaine he must secure the affections of the people the nobles were ready to fight for any one who would give them wealth and sufficient opportunities for plunder and france might easily outbid edward the people could only be won by a wise and liberal government the towns could not hope for much from edward they saw him disregard their dearest wishes and interests and give them back into the hands of their overlords aquitaine must have represented a flourishing appearance when the black prince arrived to take up his abode there the rich and fertile country was covered with vineyards and the bastides of edward i with their regular streets and fine market-places had increased into flourishing towns the wine trade with england was carried on very vigorously though here as in many other cases edward the third's over-busy legislation was a hindrance rather than a benefit at one time he would allow no english merchants to go to gascony to buy wine but enacted that all the wine must be brought to england by gascon merchants when complaints were raised that large quantities of wine lay unsold in aquitaine for want of english buyers he revoked his prohibition but forbade the english merchants to carry the wine to any other country but england the black prince drew most of his revenue from the duties on wine so that it was of no small importance to him that the trade should flourish the black prince with his wife the princess joan and all his followers arrived at la rochelle in the beginning of the year thirteen sixty three here they were met by sir john chandos who had come from niort to receive them he was followed by a large number of knights and squires who all greeted the prince with great joy they spent four days at rochelle in feastings and merriment and then went to poitiers where the prince received the homage of all the knights of poitou and saint ange then he rode on to bordeaux and at every city on his way the knights and barons crowded to do him homage at bordeaux he and his wife established their court and received all the nobles of aquitaine who came to pay them their respects the court at bordeaux was very brilliant the prince had his father's love for feasting and fine clothes splendid merry-making was the fashion of the age and life at the black prince's court was a succession of revels and tournaments he was a right noble host and knew how to make all around him happy never says chandos the herald since the birth of christ was there such good and honourable entertainment every day at his table he had more than eighty knights and four times as many squires there they made jousts and revels though all of them were subjects yet were they all free for he made them quite welcome all who were about his person valued and loved him for liberality was his staff and nobleness his director rightly might men say that search the whole world you could find no such prince it is no wonder that the gascon lords crowded to his court even the greatest of them all the counts of foix and armagnac came to visit him 
and they found that his court was as splendid as that of the king of france himself but we must not let our eyes be dazzled by all this magnificence to meet the expenses of his court the prince allowed the resources of his country to be drained though we may admire his noble hospitality and his princely courtesy to all comers we cannot altogether consider him a wise governor his mind seems only to have been occupied with the desire of making his court gay and pleasant instead of furthering the true interests of the people whom he was called upon to govern here again he may be taken as a type of his age we must not judge him by any standard of our own but by the standard of his days but the time was fast coming when it would be no longer possible for the rulers to forget the interests of the people when the people would at last succeed in making their voice heard and we shall see that at the end of his days the black prince did not refuse to hear them in thirteen sixty four there were great rejoicings at the birth of the prince's first son edward this little prince only lived to be seven years old but in thirteen sixty six the princess of wales bore another son called richard of bordeaux from his birthplace who ruled england as richard the second the prince had not long set up his court at bordeaux before it seemed likely that peace would again be disturbed in his new dominions he had become the neighbour of spain and he was now called upon to interfere in spanish affairs up to this time spain had been of little importance in the general affairs of europe the energies of its people had been entirely spent in fighting one long crusade against their moorish conquerors the disunion between the small christian kingdoms long hindered their success against the moors but in twelve thirty the christian kingdoms of castile and leon were united under one ruler who being wise and powerful succeeded in winning back a large territory from the moslem the kings of portugal and aragon had also been successful in the west and east of the peninsula and at last nothing was left to the mohammedan power in spain save the kingdom of granada it is easy to understand that whilst the kingdoms of spain were disunited and were engaged in this desperate struggle against the moors on which their very existence as a nation depended they had no time to interfere in the affairs of europe and except for the connection of the kings of aragon with naples and sicily remained almost entirely outside european politics now however things were more settled in spain it was divided into five kingdoms the four christian kingdoms of castile aragon portugal and navarre and the mahometan kingdom of granada of these castile was the largest and had from its neighbourhood to the duchy of aquitaine been connected with the kings of england a daughter of henry the second of england had been married to the king of castile and edward i had married eleanor of castile who had known well how to gain the love and veneration of the english people as dukes of aquitaine it was the policy of the english kings to be on friendly terms with the kings of castile contending commercial interests had provoked discord from time to time as we have seen in speaking of the great sea-fight of winchelsea when edward the third defeated the fleet of the maritime cities of biscay but this was in no way a quarrel between the two monarchs and their friendly relations remained unchanged so it happened that when the king of castile don pedro was chased from his throne on account of his cruelty and tyranny 
he turned naturally to the black prince hoping to find in him a friend he had been engaged to marry the prince's sister the princess joan who had died of the plague at bordeaux on her way to spain he called himself therefore the prince's brother-in-law and considered that he had a claim to the prince's friendship this don pedro was cruel and wicked and by his tyranny had gained the hatred of his subjects he had caused many of the proudest spanish nobles to be secretly assassinated or executed for some pretended crime and had even caused the death of his own wife who was a french princess moreover he was regarded with abhorrence by the pope because he oppressed the church and lived on friendly terms with the moorish king of granada the pope therefore legitimized his bastard brother henry of trastamara a bold and valiant knight and encouraged him to wrest the kingdom from don pedro henry had special reasons to hate don pedro for one of the tyrant's first victims had been henry's mother leonora de guzman and it was only with difficulty that henry himself and his brother don telo had escaped from pedro's hands when he seized and executed the other members of their family neither was it difficult for henry of trastamara to find friends and supporters within his own dominions pedro had no friends and in charles v who had been king of france since the death of his father king john henry found a ready ally charles had various reasons for animosity to pedro he resented bitterly the murder of his kinswoman pedro's queen and saw in pedro an ally of england charles v was a wise and cautious man though he writhed under the burdensome obligations of the peace of bretigny he felt that he was not yet strong enough to reopen the war with england now he hoped that by aiding henry of trastamara he might strike a blow at the english power through their ally another important reason influenced him in this direction france as we have seen was devastated by the free companies who were daily growing more powerful the pope at avignon trembled before them and it was equally important to both charles v and the pope to get rid of them the two therefore joined together in hiring these companies to aid henry a treaty was concluded with the leaders of the companies who were only too glad to engage on a military expedition in which they might hope for plenteous spoils the french general bertrand du guesclin whose fame had grown in the breton war was ransomed from captivity in brittany that he might lead the free companies into spain among the chiefs of the companies were many english and gascon who went in spite of edward the third's commands to the contrary they marched over the pyrenees into spain and were met at barcelona by henry of trastamara there was no one found to take up the cause of the hated pedro who lost his throne without a battle and was obliged to fly with his two daughters to the fortress of coruna and then to bayonne thence he sent letters to the black prince asking for his protection and aid we may be surprised that the black prince listened for a moment to the entreaties of a man whose own crimes had lost him his throne and whose wickedness drew on him universal abhorrence but on the other hand there were many things which recommended pedro to his pity he was the ally of england and as a helpless fugitive asked for aid it was always the part of a true knight to succour the distressed again there was a very strong feeling in favour of the legitimate sovereign however great his crimes might be 
and we cannot wonder at one ruler feeling sympathy for the misfortunes of another the whole situation appealed strongly to the chivalric spirit of the prince as a christian knight it was his duty without any further thought of policy to receive the fugitive hospitably and help him to win back his rightful inheritance some motives of policy also came in to influence him should an ally of france be placed on the throne of castile the black prince would be awkwardly placed in aquitaine with a declared enemy on one side and a probable enemy on the other possibly also he indulged in some hope that he might get substantial advantages from aiding pedro and that he might even be able to annex the maritime province of biscaya with all its thriving commercial cities whose spirit of enterprise led them to compete even with england herself still the policy which could lead the black prince to help pedro was not very far-sighted he might have seen that it would be impossible to establish firmly on the throne a ruler so much hated as was pedro in the end the opposite party must triumph and then he would find that he had embittered them against himself by helping their enemy his wisest course would have been to do all in his power to secure the friendship of henry of trastamara but this was opposed to all his feelings of what was due to an ally in distress on receiving don pedro's letters the black prince immediately sent for sir john chandos and sir william felton his chief advisers and said to them smiling my lords here is great news from spain he then told them what he had heard and begged them to tell him frankly what they thought he ought to do they advised him to send a body of soldiers to bring don pedro safely to bayonne that they might learn his condition from his own mouth their advice pleased the prince and he sent sir william felton and a number of other knights to fetch don pedro they met him at bayonne and treating him with the utmost honour brought him to bordeaux the prince rode out of the town at the head of his knights to meet the fugitive king he greeted him respectfully and led him into the city with great courtesy an apartment had been prepared for him and in all things he was treated with the honour due to a reigning sovereign feasts and tournaments were held and everything was done which could make him forget his miserable condition don pedro on his side did all he could to attach the prince to his interests he had nothing but promises to give and of these he was most liberal promising rich gifts of money and lands to the prince and all his knights if they would help his cause there were not wanting wise men amongst the prince's counsellors to dissuade him from giving don pedro any help they spoke to him of his secure and prosperous condition telling him that he could want for nothing more and that to try for more might endanger what he already possessed they showed him the unworthiness of pedro how he was an enemy to religion had oppressed his subjects and was hated by all men but all this made no impression on the prince he could not shut his eyes to don pedro's distress nor forget that he had come as a fugitive to ask his help before deciding upon anything however he assembled a great council of all the barons of his duchy to ask their advice many of the council were eager for the enterprise as knights in those days longed for anything which might win them honour they agreed however to send ambassadors to england and ask the advice of the king when the answer came back it appeared that edward the third and his council were clearly of the same opinion as the prince they advised him to aid don pedro with all the force at his command the expedition was determined upon 
but next arose the question of payment the barons of aquitaine were not willing to engage in this enterprise at their own expense don pedro assured the prince that there need be no difficulty on this head once restored to the throne of castile he would have abundant treasure at his command and would pay all the expenses of the war the black prince put such trust in his word that he made himself answerable for the expenses of the war believing that pedro would not fail to pay him chandos and felton however advised the prince to melt down some of his plate of which he possessed an enormous quantity for immediate expenses swords and coats of mail were forged at bordeaux in preparation for the expedition letters were sent to the leaders of the english free companies who had accompanied henry of trastamara into spain bidding them return and aid in this expedition it was a matter of perfect indifference to these companies for whom they fought provided they had pay and booty enough though they had helped henry of trastamara to the throne they were quite willing to serve under the banner of the black prince and to pull down the king whom they had set up it was necessary to obtain permission from the king of navarre to pass through his dominions which lay between aquitaine and castile charles the bad had pledged himself to henry of trastamara not to let any troops pass through his kingdom but he was soon persuaded by the promise of a large sum of money to break his word End of section fourteen